David, I like that guitar. Uh, you know, David and Amy came on board with us at the very beginning of Axis Church. We met in an Olive Garden restaurant, and they were like, we're in. And from about that time, David's been helping us at our worship ministry. And then after Sherry passed away, uh, David took over our worship ministry. And he's had the same acoustic electric guitar for all that time. So two weeks ago, I said, hey, David, let's meet at Guitar Center, and let's get you a new guitar. And you guys provided that for him, by the way. And I said, because we not, he's like a nice full sound. You know, yours doesn't really have a full sound, no offense. And I was like, uh, so let's get a different one. And so uh, it, we enjoyed that, and today that was great. And you guys provided that. So there you go. Good job. Good job. And uh, I'm excited for that for him. Uh, you know what? We have this weekend and next weekend to finish our series called The Table. And we have been looking at the moments when Jesus had a meal with people. And we've seen how Jesus welcomes everybody. Everybody belongs. Everybody can come to the table. And, and then we talk about these nice, beautiful moments with Jesus as he interacts with people at the table. Well, Josh is going to finish that series next week with uh, the really beautiful moment of Jesus at the Last Supper with his disciples. And then after that, we're going to start a Christmas series. And our Christmas series this year, uh, we're just calling simply King Jesus. And we thought it'd be the best way just to celebrate Christ, the newborn king, just by celebrating who he is. And, and so we're going to be doing that starting uh, in a couple weeks. Now, I have talked to you guys a lot about how important the table was for us growing up and even today. And I was telling somebody the other day how we grew up is so different than how people have grown up today. And uh, when, what I mean by that is uh, the seatbelt in our car Seatbelts weren't required back in the day. My seatbelt was my mom's arm, and it held us back. I don't know if it was effective or not, but it sure seemed to be because we were all okay. And uh, then my grandfather had a 1970, I think 73 El Camino, which is a pickup truck, and, and, uh, and, and we would sit on the tailgate of that pickup truck and drive to the local grocery store. And you learn when you do that that you better hang on, all right? Because if you don't hold on, you're bouncing out of that thing, and they'll just be like, hey, we'll be back to pick you up later, you know, like, whatever, it doesn't matter, you know, hey, we'll see you guys in a little bit. That's a little bit of exaggeration, but not much, not much. And then we had a woods across the street from our house, and, and we would go into that woods, and, and uh, you could just go and play and build things and, and, and hide out, and well, I don't even know if mom knew where we were. There was no... 360 kid back then, you know, or like tracking you and things like that. You would just go and just play. One day we found this broken down cabin looking thing back there in the woods. I mean, it's like the, it's like a horror movie ready to happen, right? It's like, don't go in there. We're like, hey, let's go in there. And so you know, it's ready to go. Let's have a good time in there. And, uh, and, and we would come out. And the way you knew it was time to go home, you guys know this, is when it started to get dark outside and the streetlights came on, it's like, that's your signal. You need to get back home. And then you come back home and you have dinner. And when you get home, mom's like, hey, guys, so glad you're home. Go wash up. It's supper time. And then you sit down at the table and you, you, you laugh together and you talk and you tell stories and you learn and you express love at the table. I, I, those are so, uh, such great memories and such great moments. But don't you love it when people express love both to one another and especially to Christ? I love moments when I see somebody stand up for the cause of Christ. 
How many of you have heard the name Cameron Babb? Anybody heard the name Cameron Babb? A few of you. Those of you who are Ohio State fans, you probably have heard this uh, story. Those of you who aren't, you're still going to enjoy the story. Get over yourself. It's all right. And uh, it's still a good story. But uh, Cameron Babb plays for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And uh, he has been on that team for five years, but he's been plagued with injuries. In fact, he's had four ACL surgeries, two on his left, two on his right. And every time he works hard to get back in, but he never was able to be successful because every time he would get injured again and then he would fight to come back. So for five years, he has been at this. He'd never scored a touchdown, never caught a pass until this last weekend, two weekends ago, where they were playing Indiana and his story inspired me. I hope it inspires you. Watch this video. had four ACL total, two on my right and two on my left. And uh, it's been a long journey. Um, it was after that third ACL where, where I really, um, you know, surrendered my life to him. And he kind of, he changed everything about me. And um, he is now my hope, my life, and my savior, my Lord, my God, Jesus Christ. And I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for him. And he put so many people around me, uh, my family, friends, uh, mentors. Um, everybody on staff, Stewie, uh, teammates, he put so many people around me um, to make that moment and every other moment that has happened and will happen um, glorify him. Rolls to his right, Stroud throwing in the end zone for Cam Babb. He's got it for a touchdown. How about that? Cameron Babb with a touchdown catch from C.J. Stroud and a young man who has dealt with massive, massive injury problems Gets in the end zone. And I just want to be able to tell the world about him and tell the world about what he's doing on this football team. And I don't know where this football team is going to go. We have so many, you know, visions and goals, um, and we got to take it day by day. Um, but the moment that everybody saw you, it was it was already written. Jesus had, it's John 16:33. Um, he says, "I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace." In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And uh, man, that's for me, that's a true, true testimony to me. And just, uh, I believe his word is truth. And all the tribulation and things I've went through in my life, um, he's been my hope. And if, if I didn't have that to stand on, um, I wouldn't be anything. Without Jesus Christ, I am nothing. And so he asked people to come to him, all that are weary and that are, you know, trouble-hearted. Um, and so that's just my message to Buckeye Nation, to this world is uh, Jesus Christ is true, he's real, he is God, and uh, he loves you, and he's just waiting for you to accept him as, as Lord and Savior. So. Isn't that great? I was, uh, I was watching his post-game interview uh, as I was washing dishes, and I was taken back because you're used to an athlete saying, I want to give credit to God, or I want to give credit to my Savior, but you're really not used to someone who is telling their faith story. And, and he's telling that story with every question, he's weaving Christ back into the answer. And his teammates are saying, this individual has made a difference in my life. He's changed my life, that, that he re-engaged me, he reconnected me with Christ. And so he's having a tremendous impact through the difficulties that he has faced. It is powerful when you see someone express their love for Christ to other people. And there's a story in the Bible that's actually recorded in three different gospel accounts where Mary decided to express her love to Christ. 
and it made a, a, a significant impact. And when you hear this story, you're going to think back and you're going to say, I think Andrew told this story a few weeks ago because the stories are very similar. One happens at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. One happens at the end of Jesus' ministry. The one that Andrew talked about is the one where a woman comes into a house in Galilee, a Pharisee's house. She also pours perfume, but she also cries and wipes up her tears off of Jesus' feet with her hair. She was just overflowing with thanks for, for Christ's forgiveness. And she was rebuked by the Pharisees. This story is in Bethany near Jerusalem, and the story is at the house of a guy named Simon the leper. So it's very similar, but it's a different story. And in this story, we're going to learn what it means to demonstrate our true love for Christ. Here's the first thing. If you truly love Jesus, you sacrifice for him. Now, some of you are going to think back two weeks ago, Stephen, when you preached, one of your points was that you sacrificed for him. And like you, I kind of thought, oh man, maybe I shouldn't say that again, but I got to let the scripture speak. And that's what it said then. And that's what it said this week. And so you sacrifice for him. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse three. It says, while he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man named Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And I want to set the scene for you. Mark said it took place in the home of Simon the leper. Who is he? Somebody who obviously had leprosy, this terrible skin disease. Jesus healed him, and now they're at his house. And could you imagine the conversation as they're talking about what it was like before when everybody shunned this guy, everybody looked down on this guy, everybody said, there's no way we're going to sit at his table, and now he has a party, and Jesus is there, and they're talking about what it means to now be restored and healed, but it wasn't just Simon the leper. The Bible says in another account that Lazarus was there, Lazarus, who had just been dead and was in the grave for four days and now came back. You guys ever been at a table and one story leads to another and somebody tries to out tell a story? Somebody tells a good story, you say, that's a good story. I got one just like that, except mine's a little better. They don't say that, but that's what they're doing. Better, better, better. Nobody's out telling Lazarus. Guys, I was dead for four days. I came back and the guys were like, yeah, you stunk. And man, you are so glad you're back and finally took a bath. I mean, this is amazing. And you, what was it like to be in the grave? And then what was it like? What did you experience in the afterlife for four days? Could you imagine the stories of the table? Well, they're there at the table. Martha is there at the table, John tells us. And uh, she's the sister of Lazarus. Josh just talked about her last week. And guess what she was doing at the table in, in this story? She was serving. She was serving. Martha often gets a bad rap because Mary, Jesus said, did what was better. But Martha didn't do a bad thing. She, Mary just did what was better. Can I just say for all of you who are Martha's here today, if you, weren't, if you weren't there at the table, we'd all be starving to death. Amen? We'd all be starving to death. So, uh, you know, serve occasionally, and that's a good thing. And then keep loving Jesus, and that's a good thing. And uh, then Mary was there, another sister of Lazarus. And in this moment, where Simon the leper is telling stories, Lazarus is telling stories, Jesus is telling stories, Mary is overcome with emotion. And she says to herself, I need to do something in this moment that will, will, be, will be lasting. I need to do something 
that will tell Jesus how much I love him. And so she remembers a family possession, a flask of expensive perfume called nard. How much was it worth? The Bible tells us it was worth 300 denarii. A denarius was a typical day's wage. So 300 denarii were worth, uh, were basically a year of hard work. And here she is giving that year of hard work in one moment for Jesus. She impulsively decided to use this most valuable possession to express her love. So grateful to Jesus to bring her brother back from the dead that she decided creatively and sacrificially to express her love to him. You know, the word sacrifice means giving up something you love for something you love more. And Mary gave something she loved for something she loved more. She gave that expensive, valuable perfume that was often used in a burial presentation. It was part of the burial. It was part to help the body not smell. It was part of what they did as their custom. And she took that, her very valuable family possession, and broke it out over Jesus. And just imagine that scene as the dinner conversation just stops. If you understand the customs of that day, a woman wouldn't have even been allowed at the table. But she broke into the room uninvited, unannounced, and broke that perfume over Jesus' head. She sacrificed what she loved for someone she loved more. And that choosing, friends, has to happen every day in our life. You have to, in your life, choose, will I worship the Lord my God, or will I worship something else? And anything that you put ahead of your relationship with Christ, you are worshiping that more than Christ. Will you worship the Lord your God, or will you worship a possession? Will you worship a person? Will you worship food? Will you worship something that you own? Will you worship the Lord your God, or will you worship your career, or will you worship your kids? The list is long, but every day we have a choice, and we get to say, I today have the choice to express my love to Christ for all he's done. One of the reasons the Bible says it's hard for a rich person to come to faith in Christ is because they put so much stock in what they own. TV personality Bill Maher one time said when he was talking about the crucifixion of Jesus, he said, I just don't get the thought of someone else cleansing me from my sins. It's ridiculous. I don't need anybody to cleanse me. I can cleanse myself. And that's often the attitude. I don't need Christ. I don't need anything else. I just need what I have. I need what I own. I need the things that I care about. I don't need Jesus in my life. But if you love him, if you love him, then you put him first. Now, if you truly love Christ, the second thing is you need to know that people are going to oppose you. Mark chapter 14, verse 4 says, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another. And by the way, John tells us it was the disciples. Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Those at the table couldn't believe what just happened. In fact, one of the ones at the table, John tells us, was Judas Iscariot, who was pulling money out of the treasury for himself. And he might have been thinking, hey, that perfume could have been used for me, not for Jesus. And he totally missed the beauty of the moment. Whenever you put Jesus first, people are going to oppose you. They're going to be hard on you. They're going to criticize you. And when you choose things, or you choose Christ over the things of this world, people won't understand it. You tell the coach and the other parents that your child's going to have to miss the game because your commitment to the Lord and church, 
you might get criticized. You give back to the Lord and the church and your financial advisor will say you're crazy. You go back to your hotel room to call your wife when you're away on business instead of staying out for drinks and those around you will say that's ridiculous. You find a church to attend when you're on vacation and your kids might say, I'd rather be at the beach. There will always be people around you who when you're committed to Christ, they will look to criticize and oppose you. This last Sunday night, we celebrated Mark, my brother, and his ministries. And uh, we did that up at the Middletown campus. And we decided not to call it a retirement because he's really not retiring. He's just continuing the journey. He's just not going to be on staff. And so we were there, and we were celebrating. My mom planned the whole thing. They had nice refreshments. Uh, they had nice music, even though she went way back in the musical vault. She was like, she chose two songs from the 1980s, you know. JB's like, I don't even know how to sing this stuff. It's like two out of my range or whatever. And then she chose a song from like 1930s. It was an old hymn. JB's like, I didn't even know this existed. And so he did a good job, and we sang. And, and, and mom had people stand up, and they gave stories on the microphone about the impact that Mark and Gail have made. And, and, uh, and then they did this special little thing where they took little yellow ribbons, and, and they put them into the shape of a cross, and everybody could put that yellow ribbon in there. They all lined up, and as they put their ribbon in there, they'd talk to Mark and Gail and just say privately how much they appreciate them. It was a beautiful service. But I had the opportunity to speak as well, and when I did, uh, I, I uh, <laughs> went off the cuff a little. That's never good. And uh, I had an outline. It was from 1 Thessalonians, and it says that we thank God continually for your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. How many of you like it when God just gives you a three-point sermon right there? And I was like, this is going to be great. So I gave that little message, but I didn't have anything written underneath those things, and so I went a little rogue. And I just said to that crowd that was there, I said, listen, we're so inspired by your work, and you work because you love the Lord and you love the people. And, uh, and I, I said to everybody there, I said, listen, a lot of people here do not understand the sacrifices that have to be made by those who serve in ministry. I said, Mark, you know it. One of the things that you have to do every weekend is you have to come up with a, a message. And I said, a lot of people don't understand that. Like a sales guy will come up with a message, but he'll give that message over and over and over again to different audiences. But in ministry, Sunday happens, and no matter how good or how bad it goes, on Monday morning you wake up and go, oh my goodness, I got to do it again next week. And everybody has expectations, and you're like, I got to present on behalf of the Lord. And you're like, I don't know how this is going to work. It's just part of the rhythm of ministry. You got to be a counselor. Even if you're not a professional counselor, you got to be a counselor. People sit in front of you and tell you all kinds of things about their life, and you have to kind of redirect them, so you got to put a counseling hat on. Sometimes you got to put the business hat on, because the church really does function that way sometimes. you got to market it. you got to get people to come. you got to deal with the financial aspect of it. you got to hire staff, and you got to deal with the kind of the issues that are involved with that. And not only that, today you have to work through social media and creative arts and graphics and often music, and there's so many different aspects. And I told this crowd off the cuff, and one of the things you got to deal with is people. And everybody's like, oh, no, here he goes. And I was like, you know what my mom said one time? The best thing about church, people. The worst thing about church, Amen. All right, you guys know. You've met these people. And, uh, and so I'm like, man, I, I've got to deal with people. And, 
And people don't understand, you know, when you stand up on behalf of Christ, there's going to be somebody that's going to be critical. They didn't like this, or they didn't like that, or they didn't want it this way, or they didn't want it that way. I told everybody that day, I said, listen, I have a friend who became an attorney. He was a youth pastor. He quit that and went back to law school. And he's like, I'm going to be an attorney. And I asked him one time, I said, what's the difference between being an attorney and being a pastor? He said, I finally get to tell people what I actually think. I was like, that? That's not right. That's not right, man. That's no good. I told, I told the people last weekend, too, I said, um, I said, listen, Jesus commands us to love people, but he doesn't command us to like everybody. Amen? You know what I'm saying? And there are just difficult people out there sometimes, and you got to deal with that. And what I was telling everybody there, and I'm telling you, when you stand up on behalf of Christ at work, with your family, in your uh, school setting, or anywhere else, you need to know there's going to be opposition. Is that true? You stand up for Christ in one moment in a social media post, man, you're going to face some opposition. So you just need to know it. If you truly love Christ, you're going to sacrifice for him. If you truly love Christ, you're going to be opposed. Number three, if you truly love Christ, the Lord is your defender. That's the positive of the negative. The negative is you're going to be opposed. The positive, positive is Christ is going to defend you. I love this in verse 6. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for burial. The disciples themselves totally missed the moment. She was preparing his body for burial before he was ever even buried. She wanted Jesus to experience this. She wanted him to know how much she appreciated him. And Jesus just defends her, says, stop putting her down. You may not understand why she did this, but I understand it. And she's given me everything that she has. He defended her. Psalm 18, verse 1 and 2 is a couple verses you need to memorize. How I love you, Lord. You are my defender. The Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protection. With him, I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. That is so good. I think sometimes we feel like we're on our own. We feel we have to fight our own battles. And I'm reminded of the song that we sing here these days. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That's how I fight my battles. God is our ever-present help in times of trouble. And when you think you can't take another step, fight another day, have another conversation with a prodigal child, make another sacrifice for somebody at work, handle another criticism by somebody who doesn't understand your faith, it may look like you're surrounded, but you are surrounded by him. You're surrounded by the God who defends you. You're surrounded by Christ who loves you. So if you love Christ, remember that even if you're opposed, he stands in the gap for you. You are not alone. And I love the fourth thing. If you truly love Jesus, your devotion is going to make a difference. What this woman of excellence did was she left a lasting impression. Anybody in here ever know somebody who over-perfumes, over-colognes? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you've seen it when they're in the store and somebody knows how to do it right. They spray, spray, they walk through. Spray, spray, walk through. You know what I'm talking about? This is what people do. Like, this is like, that's how to get it just as a mist. Or if you're in my world, you just use a couple sprays of Kenneth Cole, done, right? Done, you're out. That's all you need. But there are people who over-perfume, 
And you know as soon as they walk in the room, you go, whoa, you overperfumed. But you don't say anything, you just know that it happened. And uh, that's what happened. But when, listen, when I was in seventh grade, I became friends with a girl at school named Jamie. And we decided at a football game one night to be boyfriend and girlfriend in the way that you do at seventh grade. And we were walking around the field that night. We weren't watching the game because that's also what we did in those days. We never watched the game. We just walked around the field, walked around the field. And now we're boyfriend and girlfriend. I saw her coming up with her friends. I was decked out in my members-only jacket. And uh, to really make the outfit pop, I wore a blue and yellow sweatband around my wrist. Don't, don't judge me. It was in, I swear. Or maybe I thought I was going to get sweaty. I don't know. But anyway, so Jamie saw that, and she's like, could I wear your blue and yellow sweatband? And now I know, man, I'm totally in with her. That is until a few days later she broke up with me, broke my heart. And, uh, and she gave me back my sweatband. But guess what? She had doused it in perfume. And I worked really hard to get that perfume off of that sweatband. I washed that thing multiple times. She must have baptized it in perfume. I, even, I mean, I washed it. I put it in my drawer, and several months later, I pulled it out, and it still smelled like that. Jovan Musk for women, and it was, it was very, very, very pungent. Now, think about that room that day. She broke open that jar of perfume, and instead of just a little spot here or there, the entire alabaster jar of perfume was broken open. Everywhere that Jesus went for the next 48 hours, he smelled like that gift. Think about that. 48 hours after she doused him with that perfume, he was whipped scourged for our sins. 48 hours after she doused him with that perfume, he walked on the Via Della Rosa to the place where he'd be crucified. 48 hours after she doused him with that perfume, he was crucified for our sin. And the smell of the gift that Mary gave to him on that day still lingered and made an impact to those around him. But not just in that moment. Verse 9 says, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be also told in memory of her. And so today we tell the story of Mary and the impact that that excellent gift, that expression of love gave. You see, when you love Christ, you'll make a sacrifice for him every day. When you love Christ, you're going to be opposed. But when you love Christ, that he will be your defender and that gift will last on and on and on. And here's what the Bible says. Not only did he walk around with his fragrance or the fragrance of that perfume, it, it, the Bible says that you as Christ's follower, you walk around with Christ's fragrance on you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 says, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. When you're a follower of Christ, you carry around the aroma of Christ. You have the, the same love, the same devotion, and it is obvious to people. And some are going to love it. They're going to be attracted to it. Some, the Bible says, are going to hate it. It is going to be a stench to them. It'll be like the aroma of death, the Bible says. 
And you will run into people all the time who don't like that smell, and they will oppose you, but don't be discouraged. Christ is your defender. Hang in there. If you truly love Jesus, you make sacrifices. If you truly love Jesus, people will oppose you. If you truly love Jesus, the Lord is your defender. And if you truly love Jesus, your devotion is going to make an impact, not just on you, but for generations to come. Those in your workplace, those who you go on the soccer field with, those who you're friends with, to your children, to your grandchildren, the aroma of Christ should be generational. And so every person in here should ask the question, how do I smell? How do I smell? And is it obvious that I've been with Christ? God, we just thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you, God, for these table moments that you have told us about. And God, in this moment in particular, how a a very expressive and expensive gift was given, and it made an impact that lasted. And God, I pray that in our lives, we're able to make an impact, that our love for you would be so obvious that people around us would take notice and that they would know that we've been with Jesus. And God, we thank you for that. And in honor of you now, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.